When you hear the word prayer, what do you think of? Lunch. We'll be at lunch within the next two or three hours when we wrap it up here. You know, when I was uh, uh, growing up, and still at some places you hear prayers at ball games. You know, before a ball game, that's when you heard a prayer. Um, hopefully it's a part of your family life and you think about that. I want to ask you this morning, do you ever associate the word faith in prayer? When you think about praying, do you synonymously think about the word faith? Well, you should, and I hope before we leave here this morning, I can convince you of the real importance of that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark 11 and Hebrews 11. Mark 11, Hebrews 11. We're going to be showing that, uh, that app video several times over the next few weeks. So you can pick that up because that, that is a great uh, Bible app that you can take notes in and follow in. Mark 11, Hebrews 11, if you don't have your Bible, to be on the screen. And I want to talk this morning about what it means to pray in faith. Now listen to me. This is a game changer for your prayer life if you and I will get a hold of it. But let's begin with this. Faith is one of the keys to answered prayer. Faith is one of the keys. It's not the only key. You can't take a passage, any passage, and just grab a hold of it and say, if you do this, your prayers will be answered and effective. You have to fit the Bible together. Here's what the Bible says in a nutshell about having an effective prayer life. Effective prayer life is for Christians. I don't care what another preacher says or book says. I'm interested in what the Bible says. You can't be a non-believer and have a great prayer life with Jesus Christ. That's crazy. You, you have to be a believer who's walking with God, not perfectly, but directionally. Do you hear me? Not perfectly, but directionally. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, it's the person who's abiding in me that has power in prayer. So it's a Christian who's trying to live for Christ. You can't be full of bitterness. You can't hate people and be bitter and unforgiving and angry and have an effective prayer life. That's against the Scriptures too. The Bible talks about praying in Jesus' name. We're going to look at that next Sunday morning. And, and, and what does that mean? But this morning we're going to talk about faith as a key to be an effective in prayer. In Mark chapter eleven twenty four. This is one of the very first verses I ever memorized. It's such a great verse. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. The biblical word pray there is an all-encompassing word. It, it means praising God, confessing our sins. It means, and especially in this context, intercession, praying for other people or praying for yourself or praying about something. He says, if you believe, the word believe is a very important word. It doesn't just mean that you mentally accept it like you believe George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were former presidents. It's a lively faith. It's a faith that's committed itself to Jesus Christ. It's a faith that trusts and has confidence and that lives its life that shows that it has a commitment and a trust and a confidence in Jesus Christ. Hebrews eleven six, our other passage today, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and sincerely seek him. It's not the only key, but it is a key. I'll give you an illustration. When we leave here today, when I get, get all the way back to my office, 
it takes three codes. We have little, these cool little punch pads now instead of keys, and they were cheap. It's not like it's a retina scan or something. But like for me to get in, these three different doors, it's a different code. It was a different key before, so I have to get in the front door. I punch a different key, a pad, then, then our different code. And then I go to my assistant's office, and I have to punch another code in. And then I get to my office, and I get to punch the last code. And those three keys or those three codes are the key. Not one, all three are the key to me getting in my office. The key to effective prayer is not one thing. It several things putting them together but one of the keys that may be missing from your prayer life today is this praying in faith an old bible scholar said many years ago that it's impossible to open the door to prayer without faith amen it's impossible to impossible we're going to see in a moment to open the door of prayer without faith. So let's, let's answer this next big question this morning. How do we pray in faith? What does it mean to pray in faith? You listen to some TV preacher and he may give you an idea about what praying in faith means. And you're going to get Rolexes and, and Mercedes and all that. But let's see what the Bible says. I'm going to give you a couple of steps. And again, I really believe with all my heart that if we get a hold of these things and we live out these things, these are game changers in our prayer life. Some of them seem real simple, but many of us are missing them. Let's begin with this. Praying in faith begins with this. It, it means we believe He is here. We, is believe, we believe God's there when we're praying to Him. It, it means that when we pray, we believe there is a God. He exists, and then He's a part of the equation. Ted Turner Owns the Atlanta Braves. I think he still does. He's been a TV media mogul for years. And he was a Christian or professing Christian. Then he became an atheist. Now he's advanced to an agnostic. And literally that is, a, uh, at least from atheist to agnostics, a progression. A- uh, atheist says there is no God. And an agnostic says they don't know if there is a God, which really is a better place to be in. Not a good place to be, but better. And Turner was asked not long ago, Ted, do you ever pray for people? You know, he, he doesn't know if there's a God or not. Keep that in mind. He goes, well, when I have friends or family members who are sick or have a problem, I'll pray for them. What can it hurt? <laughs> How do, uh, do you pray like that? I, I'm going to tell you, you do, and so do I at times. But let, let's look at the ineffectiveness of that. In Hebrews 11.6, and it is impossible Folks, the word impossible there means you cannot do it. You are, it is unable. It is not possible to please, to satisfy, to be pleasing to God without, apart from faith, confidence in, certainty, relationship with, and a lively faith in divinity, in the divine truth, into God. In other words, it is impossible for you to please God. It is impossible to have any effectiveness in prayer if you don't believe God's there. This may sound simple, but when you're praying, are you just going through a list? Are you going through the motions? Are you going through some rote prayers? Are you really saying, you know what, man, I'm sitting here and I'm praying or I'm on my knees and I'm praying and God's on the throne and God's in the room and he can be in both places because he is God. Are you really praying, believing that God is in the room praying and there with you? Do you believe that? That's the first part of faith. Faith is not mumbling words. Faith is connecting with God. Do you believe he's there? 
Silly as that may sound, that is the first part of prayer. Here's uh, praying in faith. Here's the second part. It's believing God listens and cares. Believe he's listening and that he cares. I get uh, Ted Turner's, I don't know if there's a God, but I'm going to offer it up because it can't hurt anyway. Well, I'm going to tell you, sadly, it, it can't help either. And if you're praying, if you're praying to a God that you don't, you don't even know really cares. You're praying to a God you don't even know if he really wants to get involved in the situation. Let's look at Hebrews eleven six one more time. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. He's here and he rewards. He is a rewarder to those who sincerely seek him. In Jesus' day, many of the Greek mythology people, worshipers, said there's many gods, but the gods care nothing for people. There's many gods, but they don't care anything about us. The God of the Bible is just the opposite. The God of the Bible says, for God so loved the world. The whole Jesus thing was about you and me and God reaching us. Isn't that cool? And so when you're praying... The second part of praying in faith is not only believing that you are praying to a God who's here, you're praying to a God who is listening and that he cares. Isn't that awesome? The creator of the universe wants you to pray. He is in the room, he's listening, and he cares. Here's the third part of faith that many of us miss. You need to pray believing God can do anything. Many of us are praying to a sissy version of God. We are praying praying to a God who can't do much. When you're praying, do you really believe you're praying to God? Are you sitting on Santa's lap and giving him a wish list? Praying in faith has to start not only with he's here and he cares but that I'm praying to the God who can do anything and everything. Mark 9, 23. Mark 9, 23, the context is a guy had just asked Jesus to heal uh, a family member. And he threw in this little, little word, Jesus, heal them if you can. And, and, and the scriptures doesn't say it, but I wonder if Jesus laughed here. Not a mean laugh, but a laugh. What do you mean, if I can? I'm God. Jesus said anything is possible if you believe. Luke 18, 27. Jesus replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Let me ask you again. How many of you, you don't even have to raise your hands. This is, how many of you really want to up your prayer life and be effective when you pray? Are you going into it going, God's here, God's listening, God cares, and whatever problem I have, God can either solve it, make it disappear, or get me victory through it. Do you believe that? That's praying in faith. And here's the fourth part of this, and this is the separator here. When you pray, you believe you're going to receive what you ask for. Now, again, I I know this gets misused. It gets misused by TV preachers. It it gets misused by a lot of people. But all I'm fixing to share with you is in the Bible. Mark, Mark 11, 22 through 24. 
Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe and have no doubt, no wavering in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. Jesus had just cursed a fig tree because it didn't bear fruit. And the disciples walked by the next day, and they saw it didn't have any fruit on it, and they freaked out. I mean, they thought he'd cursed it, it'd die. Six months later, it was dead the next day. They were like, wow. No, they had just seen, they'd seen him raise people from the dead. They're still not getting it. They were Baptists, weren't they? And Jesus kind of, I think, probably snickers again. He goes, look, guys, have faith in God. Have confidence, have trust, have faith in God. Look in verse 23. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus didn't have to say that. Jesus always tells the truth. I think he's saying that for emphasis to First Baptist Ruston this morning. Sit up and listen. I'm telling you what I'm telling you is right. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you can't doubt in your heart. Now, here's an interesting little little fact. Jesus was probably sitting on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives, we got a map here. It's right outside of Jerusalem. And so the Mount of Olives is about right here. My wife almost got us kicked out of Israel on the Mount of Olives because she took an illegal picture of a camel there, and the guy went ballistic. And I was like, she's not with me. I don't know who this woman is. And, uh, I didn't want to go to an Israeli prison. And here is the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea. Okay, let's, let's look at our picture, Brian. This is on top of the Mount of Olives. Now, if you're on the Mount of Olives looking the other direction, you would be looking at the temple. And if you're looking, though, the opposite from the temple, there is the Dead Sea. It's about 15 miles and the Dead Sea now, this is probably an old picture. The Dead Sea now has dropped a lot. And, and, and a lot of times it's hazy over there. But on a clear day, especially several years back, they said it was very easy to see the, the Dead Sea from the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus, you've got to get this picture. They're sitting there and Jesus goes, look, guys, if you've got faith, this mountain we're sitting on, it can be picked up and thrown into the sea. That's a pretty good visual, isn't it? Now, it's also neat to know Jewish people equated a mountain, a lot of times not with just a literal mountain, but with problems, with a big problem. You have a big problem at home. You got a big problem with money. You got a big problem in school. You have a big problem in relationship. They called it a mountain. And Jesus said, you, you want your mountains taken care of. You need to have faith. You need to have faith in God. You need to have faith when you pray. And you can watch God take your mountain and throw it in the sea. And verse 24, again, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. If you have trust and confidence, guys, here's literally what he's saying. If you pray and you're accepting as fact that it's going to happen before it's happened. That's the key to seeing it happen. Now, I know people get a little panicky because, again, you've seen this misused. Why do we need to let the charismatics claim all the cool verses, though? Can't the, can't the Baptist and other people have them, too? All I did was read you the Bible, correct? Do you believe the Bible? This is a scary verse because it's challenging, isn't it? 
challenges our faith. But Jesus said, maybe a reason your prayer life and my prayer life is in kindergarten when it should be on the Ph.D. level is because we don't, we don't, we're praying, but we don't believe God's going to do anything. And God says, if you want to pray that way, that's fine, and I won't. This isn't a magic wand, but this is a key to prayer. John Bassanio was the pastor at First Baptist Houston for like 750 years. And when he was a young man, his, his five-year-old daughter taught him about praying in faith. Isn't that funny how the little ones teach us the most important lessons? One day, he was sitting in his study. He was reading. And she came in and said, Daddy, would you build me a dollhouse? Really what she kind of meant was an outside playhouse. She said, I want to take my dolls out there. I want to take my teacups. I want to take all my toys out there. I want to have a dollhouse playhouse outside. And he said, yes, I will do it. And he went back to reading. And that's parents speak for, I sure hope the kid forgets what they just asked. And so he's reading his book. And he looks out the window five minutes later. And he sees his daughter taking her toy toys out in the backyard and setting them in a place. She's taking her dolls out in the backyard. She's going to and from the house, taking her little cups. And he asked his wife, he goes, what is wrong with our kid? And the wife says, you told her that you were going to make her a dollhouse outside, and she believes you're going to make a dollhouse. She's getting her toys out there already. Pisanio said his daughter's act of faith caused him to put his book down, to go immediately to the hardware store, and to have the dollhouse built that afternoon. I wonder how many of us are asking our Heavenly Father to do something and we're going ahead and getting our dolls and our toys outside ready for God to do it. That's praying in faith. That's praying in faith. I want to tell you a story. My first experience with praying in faith, I've I've shared this before, but, but it vividly impacted my life. We had a small farm. And I'd come home from college. I was a, I was a young Christian and it was a Sunday afternoon. I came home from the dorm. There wasn't anybody home, which was great, which meant I had the house to myself, and uh, I thought, until I looked outside and a stupid cow was outside. Now, listen, I love cows. They are wonderful to eat, but they are difficult to work with. And I looked outside, and there's a cow outside the fence. How many of you have ever had to chase a cow before? If you haven't, and you want to learn how to pray in faith, you, you come with me some after. We'll, we'll let somebody's cow out and let you chase it. People chase cows on horses in Texas. I grew up in Tennessee and in movies. Rednecks chase cows on their feet. We didn't have, four-wheelers weren't invented in the, you know, the 1800s. So we had, you know, we didn't have a three-wheeler. When a cow got out, you chased a cow. I, I'd work for farmers. I'm, I am not exaggerating. I'm, I'm not preacher talking to you. I'm telling the truth. I've chased cows for four or five hours. Because when a cow gets out, you just don't have to, well, it's gone. I mean, it's not, you go get, it weighs a thousand pounds. It's worth money. If somebody runs into it, they're going to sue. You've got to get the stinking cow. No matter what. It's like you don't come home, Dad, well, Dad, four of them got out. I don't know where they are. Uh, no, you're going to go get the cow. So, I'm, I go out and I start chasing the cow a little bit and the cow's doing what cows do. He's not going in. I open the, you know, open the gate here, cow, cow, here, cow. You know, he's not going in. So I stopped and I just said, God, this is going to ruin my life if I don't get this cow in. <laughs> I'd learned that, I'd memorized that verse. I'm not making any of this up. And I stopped and I prayed. I said, God, you said pray about everything. Lord, I'm asking you to put that cow back in that fence. 
I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm asking you to do it. And I stopped, and I just stood there for a minute, and I literally, I pictured that cow on the other side of that fence. Within two minutes, that cow jumped over the fence. And I walked and locked the gate, and I walked back stunned all the way to the house. Because, see, the first, the, the, as soon as your prayers are answered, the devil starts whispering in your ear, that's a coincidence. That was going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't let the devil rob me of that. God responded to my prayer. I want to tell you, it's not a magic wand, but God, God wrote this in the Bible for a reason. He responds to our faith. He doesn't respond to our lack of faith. Praying in faith is praying and believing God for the answer before you get the answer. Now, I want to give you one other caveat that I think is important about praying in faith. Faith also accepts God's answers thankfully. Guys, I don't know how this happens. I don't know how it works. My job is not to figure it all out. It's to preach it and try to live it out. But sometimes we pray by faith, we believe God, we're right with God the best we know how to be, and it still doesn't happen. And it's easy to go, well, praying by faith is naming it and claiming it, and, and it's not true, it doesn't work. No, it does, it, it's, that's biblical. Why sometimes do you pray from a right heart? Why sometimes do you pray in faith and you still don't get the answer? In 2 Corinthians 12, there's a story about Paul. Folks, Paul knew how to pray in faith. Paul prayed and saw people healed. Paul prayed and saw demons come out of people. Paul prayed. Paul was such a boring preacher. One time a guy fell out of the balcony and died in the service. Wouldn't that be terrible? A teenager goes to sleep. That's why we make you all on the floor nowadays because of that. Falls out of the balcony and it kills him. Paul goes and prays and he comes back Paul had faith when he prayed. Amen? Paul said, I prayed three times. I don't believe that was just one, two, three. I think that was passionate seasons of prayer that God would remove that thorn, probably an eye problem from him, and God didn't do it. And God said, Paul, you're wanting me to remove this temporary problem, but I got a bigger plan in the problem. I'm going to do something greater with the thorn there than by removing the thorn. Max Licato is a great writer and a preacher. Max Licato tells a story that helps with this too. He said when his daughter was six years old, she came to him and she said, Daddy, I want you to quit preaching and quit writing books and sell snow cones. We'll buy a snow cone truck, you can drive it, and we'll go around San Antonio and we'll sell, we'll uh, we'll sell, sniff, we'll sell snow cones. Licato said, you know, I thought for a minute, what a job. San Antonio, you could sell snow cones 11 months a year. You could weigh 400 pounds and eat all your profit. But he said, after five seconds, I told my little girl no. He goes, she was sincere. He said, I believe she had the faith that I would do it. But 30 years later... When she's an adult, she's glad I didn't quit preaching, writing books, and start selling snow cones. And Licato said a lot of times when we approach God, even sincerely and trustingly and believingly, it's a six-year-old praying to our Heavenly Father. And you go, well, I'm not six. I'm 75 and I have a Ph.D. That's awesome. You're a six-year-old praying to your Heavenly Father. And there's times that God 
loves our, uh, he always loves our faith and sincerity, but he knows that prayer is not what's best for us in the long term. And he doesn't grant it. Arthur Blessed, if you've never read much about him, he has a great story. In the 70s, he felt God led him to take a cross and walk across the, the world, literally. I mean, he went through Uganda when Idi Amin was there. He walked across the world. He tells a story when he was in Africa one day, out in the bush country. They, they, some people brought a blind man to him. And they said, Mr. Arthur, would you pray for this man to be healed? And he said, I certainly will. And so the man knelt, they anointed him with oil, they laid hands on him, they prayed, they asked God in faith to heal the man, and he said the man was healed. The blind man, can you imagine how awesome that was? The blind man got up, he was able to see. He said, man, they rejoiced, they partied, Christian partied all night. He said the next day he got up, he's 30 miles down the road, and of course I guess it had spread about what had happened. And another blind man was brought to him. They knelt down. They anointed him with oil. They laid hands on him. And they prayed by faith that God would heal him. Nothing happened. They kept praying. Nothing happened. Arthur Blessed said, I began to cry. I began to beg God. I began to plead God. And nothing happened. That night I left that area. And that man was still blind. He goes, I don't know what happened. He goes, my heart, I think, was just as pure as it was the day before. My faith in God was just as sure. Maybe that guy didn't have the faith. But Arthur Blessed said, sometimes we don't understand why God doesn't answer this prayer and he does this prayer. But that never discounts what God wants us to do. God wants us to keep putting our hands on people and praying that God will heal them. God wants us to keep praying and believing that God will heal that marriage and heal that relationship and take care of that problem. And when it doesn't work out as we have prayed and believed, faith, part of praying in faith is able to accept God's answer thankfully. That's faith too. Now, I want to give you one other story to kind of wrap this up and to motivate you on how important this is. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China in the 1800s. He, at one time, he was on a sailboat, and I'm assuming it, it, where he was, and at that time, most travel like that was by sailboat. And the wind had died down for several days, so they're just drifting. I mean, you are literally at the mercy of the the ocean. And they begin to drift toward an island that was full of cannibals. How many of you know what a cannibal is? Not cannabis, that's marijuana. Cannibals. Cannibals, what do cannibals have for lunch today? Do they go to pizza buffet? No. Cannibals eat us. And so if you're on a boat that has no power and you're drifting toward an island of cannibals, how many of you agree that is a precarious position? The captain, who is not a religious man, got religion. I bet you would, wouldn't you? He came to Hudson Taylor and he goes, Oh, please, Mr. Taylor, you got to pray. you got to pray the wind picks up or we're all going to be someone's lunch tomorrow. Hudson Taylor said, Okay, I'm going to go on the bottom of the boat and I'm going to begin to pray for for wind. But here's what you got to do. you got to set the sails. I'm not going to set the sails. There's no wind. If I set the sails, I'll look dumb. He goes, would you rather look dumb or be eaten tomorrow? He goes, I'll set the sails. Hudson Taylor goes beneath. The sails have been set. 30 minutes later, they come down to where Hudson Taylor is, and they say, Mr. Taylor, please quit praying. The wind's about to blow the boat over. 
Is that not awesome? I don't understand why sometimes it doesn't happen, but I know this. A lot of us are losing things because we're not expecting to get them when we pray anyway. Friend, I want to tell you, set the sails. If you're going to go to a prayer meeting to pray for rain, bring your umbrella. Start expecting God to answer your prayers. Because God says when we believe, that is a key to Him responding. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, boy, I want you to passionately pray by faith the rest of your life. I want you to make that commitment now and in a moment. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian, would you pray with me? If you're ready to cross that line with Jesus, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me. Come into my heart. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, here's what I want you to do. If you just ask Jesus to come in your life, or you're ready to do that, when we stand, step out, and come today, cross that line with Jesus. Let us help you with that decision. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to do that. You can do it after church, or you can come this morning when we stand, and we'll help you do that today. Maybe you're here today and you've got a problem. You've got a need. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray by faith that God's going to work that thing out. You come down. Let us pray with you. You pray at the altar. Every every believer here, please make a commitment that you're going to spend the rest of your life praying passionately, believing that God's going to intervene and God's going to work it out. Let's stand. And you respond now as we sing.